Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are If you're taking notes, go ahead. Some of you guys have our booklets. And if you're taking notes, go ahead and write down this uh, message that is titled Masks Off. Masks Off. And, and I want to get into this. And I have a, a lot of uh, passages and stuff. And we'll see where the Holy Spirit leads us today. And I, and I, and I believe that, that God is speaking to us uh, in, in, in such a prophetic manner lately. And I don't take that lightly when I say prophetic just to sound very churchy or spiritual or mystical. Um, when I say prophetic, I really meant, like, if you were here last Sunday, God spoke in a way which it was not planned by any man. And um, if you were here last Sunday, some of us have been going back and forth dialoguing about what happened here. And um, it's obvious that, that if we open up our hearts to the move of the Spirit and to what God wants to share with us in such a direct and on um, hard fashion, the way he has, he's open to that as well. Amen? And um, we, we've been experiencing that. And um, I just pray that even through the word that, <clears throat> that God delivers in such a fashion today, that we open up our hearts um, just for that. I know I am. Amen? I, I want to share something as we get into, the, into this message. Uh, it's it's a, a quote from a pastor. And, and look what he says. Tell me what you feel about this. It says... Um, he says, wearing a mask wears you out. Uh, faking it is fatiguing. The most exhausting activity is pretending to be what you know you aren't. It's a pretty serious quote from Rick Warren. Wearing a mask wears you out. Faking it is fatiguing. The most exhausting activity is pretending to be what you know you aren't. Uh, however you feel about this, just listen to the words. I mean, I think the words are, 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 are pretty deep. Think about masks for a moment, and we'll go back to this quote and, and, and some scripture now in a moment, but, but think about, some, about masks, and, and, and I think about superheroes, I'm guessing because I'm a father and I have young children, I think about superheroes wear masks, and uh, if I was younger, I probably would have said wrestlers wear masks, and um, I even wear masks sometimes, like literal masks. I have a, a, a luchador mask, did I say it right? You know, the Mexican wrestlers? I have an amazing, I forgot his name, but I have one of their masks I bought in Mexico one time, and I put it on, and I run around the house, and I scare my son. I mean, it's amazing what a mask will do. I'm like, it's me. You can't tell. It's your father. But I put a mask on, and automatically, he just gets scared. I'm like, what? How does a mask confuse you and scare you? And you start running, and, Mom, look at that. He's wearing the mask. Like, if the... <laughs> The mask automatically turn, transforms me into someone I'm not in his eyes. But ain't that true? <laughs> Isn't that the reality in some of our lives? But So, you know, superheroes in, in my very own life. I, I think I brought this mask uh, years back when I preached on this stuff. I, I brought the mask or I shared a picture when the Miami Heat. Remember the video, I think? I, I, the Miami Heat one. <laughs> I was younger, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm already passing the mid-30s. But when I was in my early 20s. Or whatever it was, late 20s, and the Miami Heat won a championship. I went out because it's red and it's flame. It's like a fiery mask. And I went with my Heat jersey and my mask out to the street to celebrate because I didn't want no one to know that it was me celebrating. 
So I acted wild, and no one will ever know it's me because I'm wearing a mask. You know, that mask is special because I hide behind the mask. You guys feel me? So I was out on Bird Road because that's where, like, La Carreta is. Over here, it's, where is it at? Right here on this area. Um, the Pots and Pans. Where do they do that at over here? 49th Street. 49th Street. I can't forget. 49th Street. Um, down south, is, it's 40th Street. Southwest 40th Street. But, but when, when you see an individual wearing a mask, like superheroes, they're, they're hiding from their true identity. The mask, it, it, it plays a cover. It separates what is, what is false from what is reality, or reality from what is false. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, like, like I am, most of us put on masks from time to time. Maybe you don't put on the luchador mask and you go out in the middle of the street with pots and pans, but, or run around your house scaring your children. But... But there's another kind of mask that maybe you know that, yeah, I wear it from time to time. You know, uh, Paul, we, we mentioned that last week. And it's crazy that we talked a little bit about it last week. Where, where Paul mentions that Peter wore masks. Before the Jews, he was wearing a mask. And before the Gentiles, he wasn't wearing another mask. And he began to confuse the believers. Because he was what Paul called Peter, a hypocrite. And he says, I'm going to confront him. Remember that from last week? I'm going to confront him. And so we see that there was even an issue with a believer, a, 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 an apostle in the scripture that would wear masks. Before one person, he was this person. And before another group of people, he was another person. And, and we put on a mask. And, and when do you put on a mask? Think about that. When do I put on a mask? When do we do that? And, and, it's, and it's any time. It's any time when we're not honest with others. We're wearing a mask. We're not, when we're not honest with ourselves, we're wearing a mask. And, and most importantly, when, when we're not honest with God. We wear masks, and for some of us it's often, and, and anytime we try to make ourselves come across as, as something, as someone, we're not, that's the definition of an individual who puts on a mask. For someone, we're not. So I guess the realest question I could ask you today is, have you seen yourself, or do you, do you know of masks that you put on in your life? And in what situations do you hide behind a mask? Because maybe some of us have masks for different situations. You guys, we have a mask with our coworkers. We have a mask before our spouse. We have a mask before our children. We have a ma- and we have different masks that we take out depending who we are before, who we stand before, what circles we're in. What masks do you put on? Afraid to reveal who you really are. And maybe for some of you, here's the freedom aspect, ready? Afraid, afraid to reveal how you really feel. You know, often someone like this is called a hypocrite. They're a hypocrite. But maybe not. Maybe it has nothing to do with hypocrisy. Maybe it's just someone that has not used the opportunity to use their hurt or their struggle to be a beacon of hope to someone else. Maybe it's not necessarily that you're a hypocrite. Maybe it is. But maybe it's as true as saying it's fear. It's fear because you know that God might want to use you in that pain. And we don't know what that looks like, so we wear a mask. Because we fear it. So, so I asked you a little while ago, how, how's everyone doing this morning? And we all said, good. 
But really, how are we doing today? How, how are you? Are you really doing fine or have we just found a better way to hide it? Because sometimes when you ask me, how am I doing? I say, I'm doing great. I've just, the definition of that sentence is, I found a great way to hide how I'm really doing. <laughs> oh, I feel it already, man. All right, here we go. You guys know what I mean. Like, I just feel it already. It's just God. Why? Here we go. In, in, you know, in the Gospels, we, we see that the Lord confronts some of the religious leaders of his time. And, and these are people that ritually play a role making themselves seem alive while their hearts and their spirit is actually dead. Let, let's go through some of them. I'm going to go through two of them. Then I'm going to go to one that, that he points at his disciples. In one of them... It's in, it's, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Maybe we'll just paraphrase it. But it's found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 15. Matthew 22, 15 through 22. If you want to write notes there, go ahead and, 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 and write that. And, and you could study that when you get home. But in Matthew 15, to, I'm sorry, 22, 15 through 22, something, something pretty interesting happens. These Pharisees, as they're known, these religious leaders, they, they say, okay, how can we trick Jesus? How can we plot against them to... To entangle his words and to arrest him. So what they do is they, they go ahead and, and they sent uh, disciples and they sent students of theirs and another sect of people. And, and, they, and, they, and they grab a hold of Jesus and they say, okay, Lord, uh, teacher, teacher, uh, we want to know if you are, are true and if you teach the way of God truthfully. So, so they wanted to trap him and they said, tell us, tell us what you think. And look what they ask him. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? What do we do? If you're really from God, teach us that. Some of you know this story. And Jesus looks at some of these Pharisees, looks at some of their students, looks at some of these guys. And look what he calls them. In verse 18 of Matthew 22, it says, Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? See, for, for, for you and I, we, we read that and we're like, wow, Jesus was really mean at that moment. It's not that Jesus was really mean. You see, what you need to understand is you need to recognize the, the definition of what hypocrites is. Like in our culture, we say, oh, you're a hypocrite. It's almost like we're cursing at someone. But what Jesus was saying was, you're a hypocrite. All he was really telling them was, I see behind your words. I see that you're playing a role. You're, you're wearing something. You're appealing to be something and saying something that is not really what you want to say and what you really want to be. Just get to the point and do what you want to do already. What, what is it? So when he calls them a hypocrite, it's not necessarily to be mean. He's actually giving them the definition of what hypocrite is, which we'll define again a little bit later. Why are you being a stage player? Why are you, why are you putting on a mask? Why, I guess the best way of saying is, why are you acting right now? You've ever been around someone and you just stare at them with that eye and say, this person's acting. That's a lie. That, that person's acting. What they did was, they did what Shakespearean plays used to do. In Shakespearean plays, there was not that many actors. So sometimes a male would play many roles. A male figure would play both female and male. So depending who they were playing, they would put on the mask of the woman. And they would talk and, and act like the woman. Then they would bring out the other mask. And they would be that character. And they would switch characters through, through different segments of the play. That is the definition of hypocrite. You wear many masks in the play that you are starring in. So you ask me, who should I give money to? I ask you, why are you starring in this play? Yeah. 
And that's what he's telling these men. That's what he's really saying to them. He's really, he's really not bending to what they want. He's actually trying to reveal something in them. And I believe this. He's trying to reveal something in them to actually win them. Because you know what wins people? Truth. Truth wins people. So what better thing for Jesus to do but to tell these guys the truth? You hypocrites. Why do you ask me this? Take out your coin. It's common sense. Whose face is on there? Caesar's. So give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And you know, you know the book. Give to God what is God's. You're not going to arrest me today. Good night. Just, just, he wanted to make sure he taught them a lesson and revealed to them what they were really doing. When they heard it, it says in verse 22, they marveled and they left him and they went away. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't do it. When they went back to the Pharisees, like, where is he? Like, we never heard anyone speak with such words. We couldn't even lay hands on him. In Matthew 15, some chapters right before this, he tells the same groups, similar group, you hypocrites. Well, well did Isaiah prophesy when he said that the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I see you worshiping me with your lips, but my God, I haven't felt your heartbeat in a long time. And that's what Jesus was telling them. Man, you did an amazing song service. But where was the heart of it? Because it wasn't there. What I saw was talent. But what I did not see from your being was a heart. That's what he was telling them. You have a lot of knowledge. You have, you have a lot of power. You have a lot of respect. But my gosh, is your heart empty. Your mouth is full of words. But your heart is empty of truth. You, you what? You Hypocrites, he calls them. Stage players. You're playing in this role. One day he's talking to his disciples, his very own students. Jesus' very own disciples. And you would think, right, if you want to keep a, a crew around you, if you want to be real to your crew and you want your crew to love you, you're going to tell them nice things. But not Jesus. He tells them true things. And sometimes true things are not nice things. You know? So one day in chapter 6 of Luke, I guess I'll read verse 42 just to save some time. They're having a whole discussion, a whole theological discussion. Actually, if you read chapter 6, it's very theological. So Jesus is going to teach them something. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? And then he tells them some very kind words. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Don't get in someone else's business if you haven't figured out your own business yet. That's so good, man. You see, what is Jesus telling the Pharisees? What is Jesus telling his disciples? He always seemed to confront people in their hypocrisy. Always seemed to do it. You see, hypocrisy is pretty much this. It is to practice or claim something in which the behavior of our lives tells different. What do you profess with your mouth that you don't profess with your life? That's hypocrisy. 
You speak a certain game, but before certain people, you're totally different from the game that you speak. Don't get me wrong. I know you got down moments. I know you're weak. I know all those things, but I'm talking about the real deal, who you are. Do you say something that in reality, you don't live what you really say? That's what Jesus was pointing at. Those are people that are in a role that they're starring in, and he calls them hypocrites. You guys understand the introduction so far. And that's who he's talking to here. And how many of us have worn masks in our lives? How many of us can be bold to admit how many of us have worn many masks in our lives? I have. And I'm not afraid to admit it. I have. My God, is it frustrating to wear masks. Which is the one that I take out now when I'm in front of this person? You know, when you wear certain masks for a long time, you get caught. Because you can't keep up with all the masks. Eventually, someone's going to walk into the room and catch you wearing the wrong mask. Like, hey, don't remember that one. If you notice today, I changed my mask. I shaved. <laughs> okay, let's get back into the word. I shaved, many of you looked at me like, oh, it's you. It is. It is. I like the beard better. Maybe we'll do a vote, and whatever you guys vote, I'll, I'll figure out what I do. Here we go. Beard, okay, it is. Nadia said beard. She's leaving. I got to honor that. But guys, as we look at hypocrisy, don't, don't look at hypocrisy as, as such a distant thing, as such a biblical word. That it's only found in the Bible. When, when you look at hypocrisy, if we examine ourselves closely, maybe many of us can admit that we've come to know it very intimately in our lives. And I'm sure we've all had moments, right? And how we've acted hasn't matched with what we've practiced or claimed to believe. So, so here is Jesus, and he's being the great teacher that he is. And listen, see, he has an opportunity to build up lives by telling the truth, or, or he could stunt their growth by lying to them in order just to please people and be liked. That, that's the difference of leaders. You have a leader that can tell the truth to build you up, or you have a leader that can tell you a lie just so that you can like me, but what that does is it stunts growth. So, so what happens is because he's the ultimate leader, he needs to call things what they are. And it's not because he wants to harm them, but because he wants to better them and he wants to grow them. And, and that's what Jesus is doing in his ministry. See, what is really interesting in this word hypocrite is, is, is when you really define that Greek word. And I shared it with you, that, that, that word which means actor, stage player. Part of putting on a mask. And, and why would Jesus be so upfront with people who are portraying someone that they're not? Or so upfront with someone that is hiding something that they should just free up already in their lives. Because I know that for a fact that there's people in this room that are hiding stuff. That man, stop hiding it. Free it up. And if people from here back away from you, they really don't love you. Don't worry about them. Sometimes you got to free things up because you got to see who really loves you. I don't know if that went over, but I don't know if I should even said that. But my answer here is, is God wants to give these people freedom. 
the Pharisees, their students, and even his own disciples, so that now, now they can give their true self to others. And our true self, finally, to God. And, and there is the place, the place where hurt, where, where pain, where lies, where false pretense can be used now to, to finally glorify Yahweh. To, to finally glorify our Father. Even in the midst of serving others with our hurt. If you can relate, I guess what I'm saying is, are you willing to receive that freedom for your life today so that you can give your true self to yourself? Because you deserve that. Because you don't need to have that weight on you always. Be true to yourself once and for all. Number two, do you need to give your true self to others? Because they need to share in your suffering and pain to receive their hope that you will give them. And from there, you'll find hope for you as well. And number three, do you need to give your true self to God in order that he may use it and he may use you for his glory and for his kingdom? Well, Lord, I want to be very selfish and I want to keep this suffering to myself. And God says, no, how about you hand it to me and let me use you in it. In John 3, I want to read the scripture for a moment. In John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, look what it says here. It says, and the judgment is based on this fact. It says, God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. Hmm, isn't that similar to today, huh? For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light. Say, evil hates light. And they refused to go near it. For the fear, look at this, for the fear of their sins, it will be exposed. But those who do what is right, they come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. I mean, we're looking at two different characters here in this world. We're looking at, at two different people groups. And one of the things that this scripture is teaching us here is, is that one of the great gifts of God is that he's given us, or it's described as, as light. He's given us light, and, and it's described as light. And, and we see, as you continue to read this passage, that Jesus is the light of this world. And, and in John chapter 3, God's light comes into this world. And why does God's light come into a world? Because the world has been made dark. So the light comes into the world to do what? Well, one thing, here it is. To free people from darkness and from evil. Because there's an evil that doesn't like light. So light needs to shine upon what is evil to expose it so that it has no other choice but to run towards the light and humble themselves and repent. So that's what the Lord wants. The, the light was needed to reveal, what, what, what can we use then? How can we substitute some words here? Can reveal the masks that his creation had put on. And as you come to the light, the sins and the mask wearing and the hiding and the shame, all of that stuff is exposed. Exposed doesn't mean something bad. In my life, the greatest thing that God did to me was expose me of my sin. It's not a bad thing. I needed to know, just like Adam needed to know. 
Why? Why are you dressed like that in darkness? But in this chapter, there's a group of individuals who we see they hate the light and they refuse to go near it because they're scared. And they fear. What are they really scared about? What are they really fearful about? Well, I just said it. They're scared and they fear what's going to be exposed. What's in the depth of your being that if it comes out, you're terrified of? Answer this question. Can God use you with that thing? They're terrified and they're scared and maybe even fear how the Lord would use them in it. And and you might feel like that today. You know, you don't come close because you fear what might be exposed or how you, how he might use you. So you've become more comfortable, comfortable with your life. Or maybe I should change that word and say you've become more accustomed or comfortable, whichever one fits you better, with wearing a mask, pretending to be someone or feel something that you're not. That God has never created you to be. And today I come with this urge, with this intensity. And I confront you in your face with love to tell you to take off the mask. No longer do what is evil or no longer fear what is shameful. Receive a freedom of putting on the real face that God's given you. Give God the mask and give him what's behind the mask. And see how he may use it for his glory, not your glory. His glory. And sometimes his glory is painful while we're living here on earth. A glorious life, I should preach that one day, you know that? A glorious life is a painful life. Let's not get into that today because I will go off on that. So we we find ourselves, I want to read another scripture here because I think it's um, so important to what I'm sharing today. It's Luke chapter 18 and and go to verse 9 with me. Listen to this. Jesus is teaching his his followers, right? He says this. He tells them a, a, a story, right? This parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He Look what he tells them. Let me tell you guys a story. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. I don't have too much time to describe a tax collector, but... But you might be like, what's the big deal? If you don't know, a tax collector during the times of Jesus was, 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 was one of the worst things you could be. Truly despised. Um, the lowest of lows. Because you, you stole from your very own people. You charged them even more. And you gave to the enemy Rome. And then you pocketed for yourself. And you took from your own brethren. So tax collectors, put it this way. They were despised and hated. Definitely not liked. So two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other one was a tax collector. Look at this, guys. Verse 11. The Pharisee standing by himself, he prayed. This is what he prayed. Look at his prayer. What a prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men. What in the world? Kind of prideful. Extortioners, they're unjust. They're adulterers. And as he's praying, he looks to the side. He says, and like this tax collector. Thank you. Can you imagine the middle of worship? You're worshiping next to someone. You open your eyes. Thank you, Lord, because I'm... I'm a good person. And you look and I see just Tito sitting standing right next to me. And I say, and thank you that I'm not like Tito. (laughs) 
the world does that mean? Imagine if Tito were to hear that. Yo, I'm standing next to you. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm just glad God didn't make me like you, you sinner. That's what, that's what this prayer is. And I'm not like this tax collector. <laughs> I fat, Look at this. I fast twice a week. I give all my tithes. So the tax collector, well, thank God. Look at verse 13. He's standing afar off. I don't think he heard him. He's standing afar off. He was different. His heart was different. His spirit was different. His attitude was different. Everything about the tax collector was different. Pharisee, come on, don't get lost. Pretend you're living in Jesus' time. Pharisee is very respected, very loved, honored, powerful, knowledgeable, taught the word of God. I mean, Pharisees were it. Paul, remember, was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was studying to become the greatest of Pharisees. He studied under one of the greatest Pharisees that ever lived. I mean, these Pharisees, you don't mess with them. These are your theologians. You know the theologians, the ones that have written 10 books and all that stuff. And that, that's who they are. That's the theologians. And, and that's who they were. These are good guys, right? And then afar off is a tax collector. And the Bible says in this passage, it says that standing afar off, he couldn't even lift up his eyes to the heavens. But he began to beat his breast, his chest. God, look at his prayer. Look at the difference of his prayer. Be merciful to me. A sinner. Amen. What a prayer. The other one is like, I'm a good person. Thank God I'm not like that guy beating his chest. I fast twice a week. I give all my tithes. And the other guy's prayer sounds like this. God, be merciful to me. I'm in need of you. I'm a sinner. Come on, we don't have to continue to preach. You already know which one God honors. You already know which one God looks at. You already know which one God says, that's my son. Regardless of the sin they hold in their hands. See, let's keep reading. He says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, beating his chest, he went to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And we, we learn something powerful in this passage that that yes, it, it is time to be completely honest with myself. And, and if I'm going to be honest, I, I need to be honest before God. And, and that brings tremendous liberty in my life. So the one man who seemed to be holy was really the hypocrite that was wearing the mask. And the one who was a sinner, who you and I would think, that's the mask wearer. That's the evil one. He's a tax collector. Don't get around him. Don't invite him to dinner. You can't trust people like that. That's the one that's yucky, disgusting, and full of slime. We all know that family member. We all know that friend. Or we all know that sin. You hear a word and you get disgusted. Because why? You've been in the Christian church for so long. You can't even hear certain words without you starting to judge it right away. But there is a someone, someone that is struggling with sexuality and they need your love. There is someone that is struggling with addiction and they need your love. There is someone that is struggling with jealousy and hatred and they need your love. But you hear words that are under those categories and you freak out because we're the church. And we get very religious very fast. And then Jesus says, got this whole thing wrong. I'm listening to some of the people that are struggling with their sexuality and their addictions and all that more than I'm listening to the pastor of that church in the middle of their prayer. 
See, I hope you understand what we're learning in this passage. I hope you're getting it. I hope you're seeing it. It's not necessarily the sin you hold, but it's the heart you have in opening up before the Lord. The heart you have in opening up yourself to his presence, to his word, and to his working in your life. Because at the end of it, they both really had sin before the Lord. But there was one who was a tax collector. His was more obvious, more evident. It was more laid out in the forefront. And he was very easy to judge in the temple of God. But God said that one, he went home more justified than the other one. Because it's not the sin you hold. It's not the shame you hold. It's not that thing that you say is disgust that you hold. It's not the pain or the suffering you hold. It is what is the cry of your heart. Is it the cry of the Pharisee or is it, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God says, on you I place my eyes. Don't lose the cry of, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Don't lose that cry. Don't lose it. And that's, that's it. That's, this is the question. Is your attitude, is your heart, is it crying that out? Don't stop crying it. Don't stop crying it regardless with what you hold. Regardless with what you hold. Ernesto, stand up. Fonzie in the back, because his name is so cool. Fonzie, stand up. Let's pick on a woman. Josie, stand up. Joelle, stand up. Put the hat on, man. Rock the UM hat for a second. They won. They won. They're undefeated so far. And I could tell each one of you to stand up. Fonzie, in the back, everyone see him? That's awkward, isn't it? Josie in the front, everyone see her? Ernesto to the right, everyone see him? And the hurricane in the front, everyone see him? There is no doubt in my mind that every single one of them holds something. There is no doubt. And I could care less if I asked Fonzie when he walked in, how are you doing? And he said, everything's fine. And if I asked Josie, how's everything doing? And she said, everything's fine. And I care less if I said to Joey, how's everything doing? He said, everything's fine. I said to Ernesto, how's everything doing? He said, everything's fine. I bet you that everything is not really necessarily all fine. Anyone with me? Hey, if you could relate to Fonzie, to Josie, to Ernesto, to Hurricane Joe. If you could relate, I wonder if you could stand with me and say, everything's not fine. Wow. You standing up just gave me hope. Because because we're all in this struggle together. Sometimes glory is painful. How y'all doing? <laughs> Love it. Give yourselves a hand. <laughs> How was church? You may sit. You may be seated. How was church today? 
The pastor said none of us are fine. <laughs> I don't know that. That evangelist up there was preaching during the middle of worship and she was saying that this church was awesome, but I don't know about that. <laughs> this guy's supposed to encourage us. He just told me that. <laughs> you guys know what I mean. Oh. It's okay to not always be okay. Because in those moments of you admitting, yeah, everything's not okay, here's my next question. How's everything doing? My man James said, well, everything's not fine. But, but it's the cry of, oh, God, have mercy on this sinner still there. Is it still there? He's saying, yeah, I believe. He's nodding his head. Is it still there? Then you're going to be all right. If you stop crying to the Lord. You're not going to be all right. How y'all doing? It's not fine. What are you going to do? I'm going to just cry to the Lord. That's right. You better do that. I'm just going to cry to the Lord. Feel this in your spirit yet? The tax collector, verse 13, same chapter. But the tax collector standing far off would never lift up his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm all right with saying, hey, it's all going to be fine. But right now, everything is not fine. And I'm okay with that. Because in my not so finer days... There is a place of glory that awaits me that there is where the Lord touches my soul. So I need moments like that. I cherish moments like that. Broken moments for me. Broken moments for me. Ooh. Broken moments for me or open moments for him. Broken moments for me or open moments for him. Oh, you're broken. Good. Now I'm open to do a work in your life. But when you lose the brokenness, you lose the openness. Come on, broken people. Change the phrase around. Broken people are open people. Broken people are open people. You might see me broken, but what you don't know is the windows of heaven are open on this man. Come on, hurting people, shameful people, people that are carrying masks of every color, of every size, of all weird things and, and all shameful things and all disgusting things, things that if you walked into some churches with, oh, they might even spit on you. But come on, broken people, what you really are is you're open people. God has a window that is open. Just don't lose the brokenness and the openness and the, the cry of, oh, God, have mercy on this sinner. Man, that's good. What should I do, Lord? There, there is a story in Genesis. I'm not going to go to it. But take notes. So write this down. Genesis 20, 1 through 18. I, I won't go into it, but I will uh, share it. In Genesis 20, Abraham is leaving his land that he knows from his fathers to him. And um, Abraham is a character in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, we are all sons of Abraham. When we all get to um, eternity, we'll all look at Abraham and say, Father, how you doing? And then put our eyes on Yahweh, the, our eternal father. But we will all see Abraham as 
a form of father in our lives because he's father to both the Jews and the Gentiles. That's a whole teaching for a whole other day, but watch this. So there was an Abraham that, that was very monumental because from him would come the seed of Israel and even us. Uh, we are also called, uh, from, through adoption, the sons of Abraham. But what, what's very important is as he was leaving his land and, and God destroys even um, Sodom and Gomorrah and all that good stuff, there is a time where now Abraham has to go on a journey. But as he goes on this journey, he has to go through certain towns with certain kings that he's heard are very harsh. And Abraham had a beautiful wife called Sarah. I mean, she looked good. She was something like Nancy. She was beautiful, okay? And, um, and, and he would walk with Sarah through these towns and all that stuff. And as he would walk with Sarah, he would tell Sarah, hey, baby girl, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to walk in through this town. But whatever you do now, get away from me. Don't be holding my hands and don't look at me with those eyes, okay? What we're going to do is we are brothers and sisters as we come into this land. So one day they played the, the role of brother and sister. They put on the mask. They, they said, ready, action. And the play started. And Abraham walks into this town. I think the king's name was Abimelech or something like that. I might be pronouncing it wrong. But he comes in and Abimelech says, man, that girl looks good. Sarah looks great. And he causes me and he says, find out what's going on with those people over there. I see that they're not too close. So they come up to him and says, hey, you know, you're in our land now and the king wants to know what's going on. He says, well, this is my sister Sarah. And he's, well, the king has asked for your sister. And, and Abraham now Abraham now puts himself in a hard place, you know. You know, I, maybe Abraham would have just saved all this drama if he would have just been truthful and not put on a mask and not played a role, not starred in a movie that he was never called to star in. And if he would have just said the truth, whatever might come, and say, this is my wife, now what? But instead, he goes on to this whole dialogue, and he's in this performance call, and he's auditioning, and here is the, the live play, and he says, this is my sister, and she says, that's right, bro, that's my brother, oh, he's so annoying, and they start role-playing, and, and King Abimelech brings her to his palace, to his room. I'm going to tell you something, when a king brought a woman to his room, it wasn't read me a story so I could go to bed, it was something a little bit different, but... In the midst of this, he's somewhat asleep, and a dream happens, and God appears in his dream. He says, what are you doing, King Amalek? Don't you understand who lays there in your room? The Bible says he had not done anything yet with Sarah, Abraham's wife. But before he even lays a finger on her, God gives him a dream and says, you better not even touch this woman, lest you and your whole household die. Give this woman back to her, man. This is not his sister. This is actually his wife. He wakes up, calls all his servants, tells them what God just told him. And he says to Abraham, gives him back the sister. And he says, are you crazy, man? Do you know what you could have done to me? I had a dream and God said that he was going to kill me, all my, my, my wife, my children, everyone, because you said this was your sister. So he looks at the woman who he thought was hot. It ain't so hot anymore. He pushes her forward. He says, now I'm going to give you back to your brother because I'm not going to die. You're not worth me and my whole family in Palestine. And he says, so this is what I'm going to do. Not only am I going to give her back to you, but he gives offerings. He gives sheep and, and a whole bunch of animals to sacrifice and offer up. And he says, this is all yours, Abraham. Now leave me alone. Don't do this. This could have been very harmful to me, us. Why would you do such a if we only knew the repercussions of wearing masks sometimes. You see, because it's not always about our lives. It's sometimes about the people that we do life around because we're wearing masks. But what we don't know is we're leading people to their destruction because we're not walking in the truth. And, and people.
people are saying, what are you doing? Are you, are you crazy? Why did you wear that mask? And, and why did you tell me those things? And, and why did you go to those places with me? Are you nuts? Don't do that again. God said that if I would have continued in that path, he would have killed me. Are you nuts? Are you nuts? Are you nuts playing a role in this life? This ain't a game. Eternity is on the line. Because sometimes we forget that the people that get affected, it's not just you. When you wear a mask, you're harming the people you wear the mask in front of. My son can't see me preach something and live something else. Freaking nuts. Because he's going to get old one day and look at me right in the eye and say, Father, you are such a hypocrite. If the church only knew who you really were. My wife back there, taking care of some of your kids. I can't do that to her. Can't do that. Because one day she's going to walk into this church and you're going to see it in her face. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Your pastor is what's wrong with me. He's a liar. He plays a role on Sunday. You should see him at home on Monday. Guys, 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 sometimes it's not really all about us. Sometimes the the true self is needed because someone else's life depends on it. This whole king and this whole palace almost went down because one man, Abraham's mask, brought danger. The truth hidden behind the lie. When we hide the truth, we're allowing others to believe what is really not there. It's not your sister. Almost laid with your wife. You crazy. Think about how we demented that is. Introducing my wife as my sister. You crazy? I'll keep it sanctified right now. I'll hurt one of you. Even if you're stronger than me, I'll find a way to hurt you. It's my wife. It ain't my sister. What happened to Abraham? You know what happened to Abraham? Fear. Fear from the truth. Let them, let them believe what's really not there. Something that has the image of truth, but really it's false. Come on, I want you to answer this for a moment, church. Look at your mask. Look at what's hidden there. Look, what's, look what you're wearing today. I'm going to be very honest. Come on, how can God use you? How can God use you with what's behind that mask? So let's start to review some things in your life. For the married folks, how's your marriage? How's your parenting? Come on, Christians, how's your faith walk? How's your worship? How's your discipline? How's your faith? Don't wear the mask today. I could ask this question today. How's your freedom? Maybe you're here today and you're role-playing, but truth be told, everything is not fine. Wearing a mask wears you out. Faking it is fatiguing. The most exhausting activity is pretending to be what you know you aren't. 
shame on you if you wear a mask just to, con- just to judge someone evilly. Some of you guys are the Pharisees that said, look at that person. Look at my very own brother. Look at my very own sister. Look at my very own friend. Shame on you. What do you have? Be very careful. I'm wondering if anyone here needs healing, if anyone need, here needs deliverance. I'm wondering if anyone here needs a joy. But you find yourself, you're wearing this mask to show that everything is all right and you've come to try to believe it for yourself. But today you've come to a place you realize, thank you for this message because everything is not all right. I could tell you the best is yet to come. But I have to first preach to you before I tell you the best is yet to come. That let's deal with the mask so that the best could come. I could smile and giggle and tickle your armpits. cause you to leave here all happy and I could do that to myself but what better truthful thing can I say than the best is to come if the masks are dealt with today if the truth and the false is dealt with today you find yourself wearing it showing that everything's all right and you come to believe it and everything's not or maybe you've come to a place where you're tired where you're weary and it's and it's time to no longer live in shame or hide it, but use it for the, for the edification of others and for the glory of his kingdom. One, one person said it this, one sentence, listen to this. One person said this, sometimes it's not the people who change. It's the masks that fall off. Everyone changes. Everyone says that to me all the time. Oh, no. They always say, people don't change. Some people always tell me that. People don't change. People don't change. Kind of tired of hearing that, right? People don't change. All right. But as long as their masks fall off, then that's fine. If people don't change. We just need the masks to fall off. You need help, and today's the day to take off the mask. Today's the day to come to the light that we, that we shared. Amen? I guess I'll end it with this. It's, it's long, but I'm just going to read it and let it minister. I'll tell you what, we'll stand up and then um, let it minister to you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Let's just flow. And uh, we'll wrap it up. But look at Galatians 5.1. It's actually titled Freedom in Christ. How ironic is that? Freedom in Christ. Check this out. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. Say it again, Paul. Say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being... He does say it again, by the way. You must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. If you want to be religious, then that's cool. Be religious. But it's not going to get you anywhere. Verse 4, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping religiosity, the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've been falling away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit, thank you for admitting and, and, and confessing and, and speaking that over our house, that this is a house of the Spirit where the Spirit of God dwells. And, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being on the, Who cares whether you cut off skin or don't? <laughs> when it comes to Jesus, who cares? Who cares? He says, For when we place our faith, there is no benefit in any of those things. What is most important in faith? Expressing itself in love. 
you were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth, it, it certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. It's because I preached the cross. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Wow, Paul, that's some harsh stuff. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, you use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another he's talking to people in this chapter that are stuck in the system of religion of la 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 do 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 i gotta obey 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 and he's just basically saying get off trying to do and just start living in the truth of god's word already get into the cross you really want to show you're holy it's going to show by how you love one another not by how much knowledge you have. I've sat in front of many people that are way more knowledgeable than me, but they don't have a lick of love. Yeah. What's better? Knowledge is good, but there better be some love in it. Jesus was all knowledgeable, but he had full love. Look at the cross. It's a constant reminder of a love that an all-knowing God has for you. There is freedom in Christ. Take off the mask. Whatever it represents. I saw a video this week and this is what they said. We all like to look good, to make a good impression, to show everyone else that we got it all together even though none of us do. And to pull this off, we put on a mask. No, not us. Got to stop that. We put on these masks to, to make it look like everything's perfect but behind every perfect mask. You should, you should tweet this, text this, quote this, write this. Behind every perfect mask, there's a perfectly messed up life. Behind, behind every perfect mask, there's a perfect, perfectly messed up life. Come on, come on, people. Give me an amen for that one, huh? That's right. Uh, perfectly messed up. How ironic to be perfectly messed up. How does that make sense? It does to God. If you ask, God can't love you, people won't accept me, I'll never be forgiven. Whatever, whatever, whatever. God can't help you with your mask on if your own strength is lifted up. So I'll say what I said earlier one more time to end. It's okay to not be okay this morning. Let God release you from working to make it seem like if everything is great and let him truly make, let him truly make everything great once and for all. Isaiah 61 says, Arise and shine for your light has come and glorify the Lord who has risen upon you. There is light in your darkness there is light take off the mask i don't know who said this but there is someone who said this and i want to quote him he says exchange the mask you wear for the opportunity for your story to be used in his story for your struggle to be used as a beacon of hope in the lives of hurting people around you amen Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. You know, Lord, I come to you today and we've all stood up already saying that we've all we all could testify of this that we struggle with wearing masks. So the this is what I want. I, I want just Tito and if anyone else feels free, part of the worship team, I, I just want him to minister in the spirit right now. And as he just ministers for a few minutes, as we close, I want you right now to open up the altar of your heart. If you want to come up here, you can, just to be separated and just feel, feel free. But if right there in your, where you're standing, where you're sitting, I want you to open up the altar of your heart. Because I said something that I believe God has spoken deeply to you. Broken people are open people. And if you need the open window of God to fill your brokenness, right there where you're at, just, just begin, as, as, as Tito begins to minister freely in the spirit, I want you right there where you're at, you begin to minister freely in the spirit. You begin to, Lord, have mercy on this sinner. You begin to seek him. And then we'll close off in prayer. But I want you to have this time with your God right now. And I want you to say, masks off today, God. It's okay not to be okay. And I'm going to wear my one true mask, even if it, it offends people. It doesn't matter as long as I'm honest with you. And this is how I want to start living my life, Lord. And I don't know how this looks like. I don't know how it's possible. But I want you to use me in the midst of this. And I want you to use this, it, it, this thing that I'm carrying. I want you to use it for your glory and for your kingdom and to help others. So I want you to start praying that. And I want you to start seeking him. This is between you and God. You determine. You figure it out whether you want to do this or not. And we'll, we'll just set some time in, in his presence and, and let God do a work in your heart. Let's seek him for a little while.